fantastic when they said it. If they didn't, then tell them say it again. You are looking great today. Hallelujah. The Lord is so good and he is gracious to us. He is so, so gracious to us. This year is very important. This year is the start of a new decade. What's been going on in your life the past 10 years? A 10-year mark is really very important, very phenomenal, you know. In the, in the world of promotion and even the world of numbers, you can only go as far in the digits and then you start over again. You may go all the way to 19, but then you drop down. You have 20, then you have, it starts at 1 again. But this year is very important because I believe it's a launching pad. I believe it's a launching pad for what God's going to do the next several years. And we are going to be focused. Focused on what matters. Focused on what God has in store for us. This is my finishing years. If I'm with you in 10 years from now as pastor then some of you are going to really help me out a lot. But what I'm trying to tell you is that this 10 years, it's got to be earth-shaking. And the Lord has promised to me that the best is yet to come. That the future ministry and impact on this community through Rodney Pike Church of God is going to be much greater than what, we, what it was when we first got started. You believe that? You believe that you're a part of something big? Something with purpose and meaning? There are people going to church today just punching in their card as they enter and they're just like, well, I'm here, I'm just going to survive. I pray to God that the Lord will touch us, we'll become so focused. That this church will not be one of the extracurricular things we do in our life. But it becomes a focal point of decision and concentration on ministry and making a difference in this world. God has brought us together to make a difference. Not to just go through the motion of Sunday to Sunday until we all can make it into heaven. I don't want to go alone. I don't want to go to heaven alone. I want to present something to my master when I stand before him. And I believe that if we get focused, there could be such a dynamic change within us. We've searched here and there for enjoyment and happiness. But God says, if you'll search to me, you'll find purpose 
and meaning. I know you agree with me this morning, don't you? Am I scaring you? Don't worry about it. I don't, don't be scared. Get excited. This is, a, this is a start here. This is a fresh start. We're going to grow. We're going to expand. This may not be the church for you. If you just want to hang around. Well, you can hang around, but we're going to go somewhere. We're going to achieve. We're going to make a difference in this community because this community needs Jesus Christ. This community needs the Lord. I'm tired of 30-something percent of our community being bound by drugs. I'm tired of people living in depression and everybody being oppressed. Dear God, let us be a seed, a seed of transformation and of power and that God can use us. You want to be a seed? You want to be a seed of change and transformation? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. When we quit concentrating on ourselves and concentrating on him, the man, it's a whole new different living. It's a whole new different living because we can do all we can for ourselves, but the fulfillment in life and in the kingdom of God is those things that we give to Christ, those things that we do for him and in his name. There's nothing like walking in Jesus. There's nothing like being in the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I get a witness this morning? You wave your hand and say yes. Amen. Turn your neighbor and say, focus. Turn and say, focus. Focus. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, help me, Lord. I know, God, that this Sunday is not the only time this can be emphasized and concentrated on. But I believe, Lord, this Sunday is a start. And, Lord, it, it begins here. It begins now. And, Lord, that you help us to get a focus this morning and help me, Lord, to share my heart, to share my passion for our congregation, these wonderful people, Lord, that you've allowed me to pastor. I thank you, Lord, for them, for this great church, for this wonderful congregation of people who love you, Lord. Now, Lord, we wait upon you. And we just praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just simply, I want to share focus. Now, focus is, it's important, you know, how many here know that 2020 vision is the desired goal or standard that's sought out by the eye care professionals? It's like everyone trying to get that 2020 I realize life can be really hampered and hindered when I can't see like I used to see. If you were up here on this platform, you would say, Pastor, why is the font so large on your iPad? It's because, yes, I'm in denial. I probably need to wear glasses. I, well, I know I do. But I haven't gone yet. But what I'll do, I'll go, if I have to spend money, I'll spend about five bucks. And I'll get some cheaters. And I'll put my glasses on. Because I'll tell you, it's frustrating. You try to do something and all of a sudden, it's fine print. 
I discovered when I tried to set the thermostats, I couldn't read it anymore. You know? Look at the medicine bottle. I can't read it anymore. I've got to get in what the old timers used to say, extra set of eyes and put them on. And so I would get my glasses and I could read better. Now my, my wife said I scared her one day. Really, she said, I, I wore my glasses one day like that. And she said, oh, my Lord, you are your mother. <laughs> I look like God blessed mom. She's, she's with the Lord now. She's got perfect eyesight now. But it's like, you know, I guess, and I looked at the picture, and you know, she was right. Put some gray hair, curly gray hair, like, you know, or blue hair kind of on there. I look like mom. But the fact is, is that we need to be able to see. How many here wear glasses? Raise your hand. I can see you wearing glasses. Okay, okay, okay. And why, why aren't you wearing them now? What's going on? <laughs> contacts. Well, I don't want you to pop out your contacts. But those of you wearing glasses for a moment, why don't you just, won't you just take them off for a moment? Soak in what you can see so well, so good. And now, prophetically, why don't you put them on? And I can see now. I can see and say, Lord, that's what I want this year. I want to be able to see. I don't want to be misled. I don't want to be misguided. There are so many who are living life with a dysfunctional eyesight. They're in denial of the need to have a 2020 vision all the time. They are the ones that are usually miss the instructions that are given in fine print. They and, and missing details that are so important in the fine print. You can't live life with just a glance. The only way to fulfill our purpose in life and to see the details is to be focused. Now, there's a difference between in the professional world, those who are involved with eye care, there's, there's a difference in certain professionals. There's an ophthalmologist, an optometrist and an optician. Now, an ophthalmologist, boy, I tell you what, say that ten times and someone say you're filled with the Spirit. <laughs> say that ten times real fast. Ophthalmologist, ophthalmologist, okay. Ophthalmologists and optometrists and op opticians, opticians, they play an important role in providing eye care. But the levels of training and expertise are quite different for each type of provider. I'd like for us to look at the three types here. Maybe we can see some meaning in it. And an ophthalmologist diagnoses and treats all eye diseases, performs eye surgery and prescribes and fits eyeglasses and contact lenses to correct vision problems. Many are also involved in scientific research on the causes and cures for eye disease and vision disorders. That's an ophthalmologist. An optometrist is a professional who provides primary vision care ranging from sight testing and correction to the diagnosis, treatment, and management to 
vision changes. Sounds pretty involved, doesn't it? Both of them do. They, it involves performing eye exams and vision tests and prescribing and dispensing corrective lenses, detecting certain eye abnormalities and prescribing medications for certain eye diseases. That's an optometrist. But then the third person is an optician. And an optician, they're technicians trained to design, verify, and fit eyeglass lenses and frames, contact lenses and other devices to correct eyesight. They use prescriptions supplied by the ophthalmologist or optometrist, but do not test vision or write prescriptions for visual correction. Opticians are not permitted to diagnose or treat eye diseases. Hang on to, hang on just a moment because I'm getting somewhere, okay? My purpose, your purpose, is to be an optician. When I called, we're, when I called to be the doctor of science and to deal with specifics and surgeries and inspections and diagnosis, you know what, we're, we're just supposed to be technicians. And we're qualified to be technicians. We've been equipped to be technicians. Because all it is, a lens is prescribed, and then we just give it to them, and then people can begin to see. Now, there's some spiritual aspect of that and being focused. I'm not an ophthalmologist. I'm not an optician. I'm not an optometrist. I'm an optrician. I knew I'd mess up on those old words. You know why? I just show people how they can look and how they can see. I provide a way and means. I don't prescribe. I don't give the prescription. I don't do the surgery. I can't do that that is beyond my means and my capabilities. You don't want me to do surgery on you. Here, I tell you, lay down, open your eye, let me replace your cornea. How exciting. But I did stay in the Holiday Inn. I'm not qualified, and you're not qualified to diagnose people and begin to tell them and begin to look at them and, and prescribe and dictate and, and, and do your stuff to make them better. I'll tell you what you are called. You're just simply called to say... Can you see better? Can you see better? Look through this lens. You can see better. You can focus. Is it better? Prescriptions in there. Solutions in there. Surgeries in there. The one who wrote this book. But, but we are opticians. We say, can you see better? Now, I'm going to do a little eye test with you right now. Will you play with me for a moment? Is that okay? That's good. Some of you look like you need to do a little playing because you're about ready to go to sleep. 
So I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm just going to ask you to talk a little bit. And we're going to have a little competition going on here, okay? Because I think it's very important. It may seem foolish in the eyes of men, but we know what this word means and we know how important it is and it is a title that needs to be uplifted and lifted up and glorified and spoken out loud okay so can I run you through a little bit of eye test and see how good you can see okay I'm not going to take you to the screen we're going to go to the lower level that it's just so simple and obvious but this is why I want this corner here this, I want you to join in with me say hello pastor out loud uh, uh, one more time. Now, it's got to be louder than that because when I point to you, I want you to call out the letters when I point to the letters. Okay, do you agree with me? Because now you know what's going to happen. These people are going to go crazy over here when it's their turn. So you better be loud because they're going to try and get louder than you. All right? Yeah, a little competition church is good every once in a while. Okay. When I point the letter, I want you to say it out loud. Oh, only these people now, don't you? What's that spell? Who is it? How important is he? He's important, isn't he? What's his name? Can you see him clearly? Do you believe in him? Amen, amen. Now you people, come on now. Romy's in this section. It's going to go wild here, okay? Here we go. Here we go. Are you ready, this section? Here we go. Boy, it looks like everybody's passing the true eye examination. You know what I mean? Looks like everybody's getting the point of it. Come on, one more time. Who is that? What's that name? Amen. Now you folks over here. Amen. Here we go. You ready? You ready? Are you ready? Say yes, Pastor. Oh man, you guys got you all gonna have to put the Pentecost on this morning. Here we go. Who is that? What's that name? Can you see him clearly? Say amen. Hallelujah. Now the the last wing. The west wing. I don't know if that's west or what. Maybe north wing. Are you ready, guys? You ready? Uh, let's get loud. I'm not going to start this in. I was going to try and trick you. Okay. What's that spell? Can you see him clearly? What's that name? Jesus. One more time. Jesus. I don't hear you. Jesus. All right, now, everybody at once. Here we go together. Let's do the eye test. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let me tell you, when you see him, you can see everything, you see. And he is bigger than anything that's on the chart. He's able to do above and abundantly what we'd ever ask or think of. He's ready to save us. He's ready to work in our life. We need to focus not on the situations and the problems that we're dealing in. We need to focus not 
on the personal possessions and wealth that we may obtain. We don't need to focus on things that are troubling us and bothering us. We don't need to focus on our illness or our health conditions. We need to focus on one thing. Focus on one person. First, focus on one name, and that name is Jesus. That's what's going to make a difference in, in our lives when we focus on him. So you've been deputized. You've received your certificate. You've received your certificate to be an optician, to let people see the lens. And through your lens, Jesus Christ, let them see Jesus. He's the answer. He's the answer to the Iran situation. He's the answer to the craziness on Capitol Hill. He's the answer to the economic woes in Gallipolis. He's the answer to your depression that you're going through. God wants to take you out of it. He's the answer to the salvation of your family and your children. He's the answer of a healing in your body. Everything, everything that is within the name of Jesus Christ, he's able to do. Glory to so just read the letters off the wall, please. Just read the letters. I was at the hospital the other day, saw a young woman in critical care, and she was in her 30s. I walked in there, I thought she was a cancer patient, but she wasn't. I don't have any background on anyone when I visit people. I'm not allowed to because of HIPAA laws and confidentiality. But I go in the room and she's sitting there and she's got her, I thought maybe she had, you know, was a cancer patient, so, but she had a, like a hood on. And I sat there and after I talked to her, after a few moments, here's this woman that went through surgery that would not have had a heart cast without any type of anesthesia because she felt like it wasn't the right thing to do. She was awake the entire time. I don't know. I don't want to be there. I'm a sissy, okay? They can, they, can, they can put me out if they want. But she was so afraid of crossing up what she was supposed to do spiritually. She, she began to talk to me. I saw more and more confusion and complex thinking and, and, and almost a turmoil of all the wrapped up tension stuff in her head and her mind she tell me I went I've gone all around the world to study the Bible to study scriptures and I've went to this uh, 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 school and that school and I've studied and I've discovered and I realized that many things in Christianity the, the church has failed so badly in, 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 in sharing the truth and so she began to, to build up all this uh, importance of feast days and uh, certain things to do and all this it kept on winding up and winding up you know attention building building I could just see her she begin to talk it was just the tension on her face because all the complexity important things that she had to do and must do in, in order to be right I asked her I said, is it okay if I pray to you in the name of Jesus and she said yeah that's okay and I prayed for her and in my heart I'm crying out to God dear God untangle this mess 
untangle this this heaviness and weight and complexity and things that simply it just needs the answer to her. I wanted so badly to tell her, honey, the answer to your searching is Jesus. It's just simply Jesus. Let me tell you, if you don't know all the teachings of the church, you you just need to have and have to have Jesus in your life. You know, when I go out to the world and preach, I don't go out to the world and witness and say, Church of God, Church of God, Church of God. I say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He's the way maker. He's the one that supplies. He's the one that removes the weight and the load. And sets people free. This is what you need in 2020. We just need more Jesus in our life. You wanting to lighten up the load? All right, trade in for Jesus. Trade in for Jesus and him alone in his name. In Hebrews 12, chapter 12, verse 2 in the Amplified Bible, it might be a little different on the screen because that translation, I don't know, maybe they have, it's an updated version, but I'm going to read mine. Is that okay? Because it's still around, okay? In Hebrews 12 and 2, this is a key verse of scripture we're going to follow this year. Looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus who is the author and perfecter of faith. The first incentive for our belief and the one, in other words, saying the first incentive for our belief, Jesus, and the one who brings our faith to maturity, who for the joy of accomplishing the goal set before him endured the cross, disregarding the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God revealing his deity his authority and the completion of his work that's a lot more words that's in the original text but I love the amplified because sometimes it just digs a little bit deeper into something that's greater we've quoted many times Jesus the author and finisher of our faith Jesus is the author and the perfecter the one that matures our faith we just need to focus on Jesus. If you're interested how you can be holy, then just look at Jesus and follow his words and his teaching. If you're interested how that you might be able to reach a lost world, then follow after Jesus and his teachings of, uh, and his ministry. Listen, the whole word of God is true, but this word is focused on one, and that one is Jesus Christ, who was the word that became flesh and dwelt with us so therefore we need to focus on Jesus with all the maraud and the, and, the, and the maze of junk going on they've declared that this is the information age as a matter of fact the past 20 years has been declared as the information age so for two decades we've been in the middle of this 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 barrage of meaningless information hitting our minds and capturing our eyes and when we look we've got things that capture our eyes all the time banners across screens 
updates and interruptions and updates all the time on our devices because they want us to pay attention to the information. But let me tell you, sometimes I get information overload. I don't care about you can bake a cake a certain way. I don't care about how doing this or that or, or many different ways of, see, of doing things in life. I don't care about all the things I can buy and all the things that I can possess. I don't care about all the meaningless information barraging my mind and crowding my mind. Sometimes I just need a good cleaning. Sometimes I need to reboot. Sometimes I need a reset. And the best place to go, as a matter of fact, the only place to go is to Jesus. you to give people Rodney Pike Church of God. I want you to give them Jesus. Because that's what the world needs. It's Jesus. He is who is the author and perfecter of our faith. Your faith is going to grow. It's going to go places with Jesus. It's going to go places. You're not going to live by 50 years ago. You remember the day when you knelt down in this very spot when you got saved. You're going to live by that. You're going to live by what's happening right now because there's been a journey of the maturing of your faith because of Jesus Christ. You're grateful for the moment you got saved, but what has happened since then? Hallelujah. You got up from that spot. You didn't stay there forever. So let me tell you, the Lord wants you to grow after the moment of conversion and grow and go from faith to faith. Now, Isaiah 26 and 3 says, You will keep in perfect and constant peace the one whose mind is steadfast, that is committed and focused on you. This is amplified. In both inclination and character. You know what I mean? That inclination and character means in your thinking and how you live. Wow. You're going to have peace because you've kept. He'll keep you in peace because your mind is steadfast. David talks about those who want to drag him into a pit in the book of Psalms. But he declares in that psalm, my heart is fixed, O God, my heart is fixed. In other words, he has focused on God. We can focus on Jesus Christ. I can't tell you what's going to happen with our government. I can't tell you one day, ten years from now, we might even be in a communist state. Because I will tell you that it's not in our hands. We think it is, but it's not. And things can happen. You say, Pastor, that can never happen in America. I pray to God that it doesn't. But there are things happening in America now that I never thought would be happening in America right now. So we're on a gradual step and journey to a place that is the unknown. Why not turn to the one that we do know? Who is in charge? Who is our rock? Who is our stability? Who is our provider? Who is our protector? Jesus Christ, our Lord. We want to be focused on him. We want to be focused on him. Anybody doing so-called ministry in this church and with this church, you ain't doing it for Jesus, resign. Because you're doing it for me, honey, you're going to be miserable. 
You better do it for Jesus. You know why? Because I can't anoint you. I can't fill you in. I can't fill you up and I can't supply and bring anointing and energy. But boy, I know the one who can. And if, if it's all done in his name, let it be in the name of Jesus. If there is a goal to do things better, let it be a goal of worship in the name of Jesus Christ. Worship team, you practice and get tighter as a team. Let it be because Jesus and he is worthy of all worship and the best worship we can give. Amen. Teachers, when you teach and you look at those little ones, I want you to look and see the face of Jesus and know that you are doing it for him and in him and you're focused in the Lord. Focus on him. In both inclination and character because he trust and takes refuge in you which God with hope and confident expectation confident expectation let me ask you do you still have confident expectation have you lost it somewhere have you allowed other things to get your attention and you don't have confident expectation anymore the reason why you feel so insecure in your faith is that you've allowed something else to move in on your concentration and focus. You're finding that there is no life in that thing, and so now you're just not happy, and you, you just can't. It's because something has broken your concentration and focus. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, the writer stating, when he says, looking unto Jesus, it's a word in the, in the Greek that says literally taking your looking off of one thing and now looking onto God. Looking unto Jesus. Getting your eyes off of the one thing and looking unto Jesus and focusing on him. Hebrews chapter 12 talks about talks about the things Christ has, has done or is doing for us. We're not going to read the verse but you can write this down or watch the video or something later. Hebrews chapter 2. If your confidence is broken because you've lost sight of the one who truly gives you confidence is Jesus. Hebrews he, Hebrews chapter 2 lists some of the things that Christ has done or is doing for us. In verse 14 it talks about he shared our humanity. In verse 14 also is, it speaks of he breaks the power of the devil. Verse 15 talks about he sets us free. Verse 17 talks about in Hebrews 2 he is our merciful and high priest. Verse 18 says that he suffered for us. Verse 18 also says he helps those who are tempted in this world. Is that not a reason that brings across the fact that we need to focus on him and not on anything else? I'm going to share with you three practical ways for a believer to stay focused on Jesus. The first one is commit, develop, 
your prayer life. Luke 18 and 1 says, Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Always to pray. Paul wrote in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, Do not be anxious about anything but in every situation. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We stay focused on him. That, In other words, that we worry about nothing but pray about everything. In other words, keeping a running conversation with God to pray without ceasing. As in Thessalonians 5, 17 says, pray continually. In other words, keep a running conversation with God. Tomorrow morning you get up, hello God, hello Lord, I love you Jesus. Guide my steps, Lord. I'm depending on you. This is how you pray without ceasing. There are times of definite intercession and prayer and time set aside where you talk to God and listen to God, but throughout your day when you got to go to work, you got to drive your car, you got to do the things that are necessary, you got to go to class. The thing is is that you go throughout that day talking to Jesus Christ and talking to the Lord. That's how we pray without ceasing. But this challenge of reset, oh, I remember in the garden, in the scripture, where Jesus agonized in prayer, and he turned to his disciples, and they were asleep. He said, could you not pray one hour? We have gotten to a place where there's a request to pray 20 minutes a day. Did you know that the average amount in America, to all the clergy in America, the average amount of prayer time of the clergy is 19 seconds a day? It's because the doing and the working and the running and the focusing on all other things has interrupted prayer time. This is why. We think we maybe should be socialist. This is why the new generation in America will rather laugh and scoff and mock God and redefine the things of the word of God. The problem is we fought our fight years ago of keeping prayer in the school, but it didn't stay in the schools because it didn't exist in the home. Oh, I know this is fun talk, isn't it? Uh, heavy stuff, but, but this is where. And a generation is thinking that people owe them an entitlement. But when we're before the bleeding Savior that hung on the cross and we kneel down to him and say, thank you, I love you, suddenly we diminish into nothing and he expands to everything because of the love that he has for us. I'm not even talking about the things he can do for us, but the love that he has for us. He can do so much and has done so much. Oh my. Little things, big things, we can come to the Lord with any and all of our cares talking to him. Jesus, Paul said to continually pray. Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5.17 Trust the Lord as your protector. In Psalm 25.15 My eyes are ever on the Lord. For only he will release my feet 
from the snare. Once we understand the spiritual dangers we face on a daily basis, we'll focus more on Jesus. Or one of that he's the only Savior and he's the one that can bring deliverance in our lives. We should see the world for what it is. A sin-filled place of desperate need. That is the world. The darker the world is to us, the more clearly the light of Jesus will stand out. I like what Jesse Duplantis said one time about sin. He said, we don't really hate sin anymore. We don't hate it. We just don't like the consequences. But we need to get connected to Jesus and focus on him. And say, oh Lord, I would never ever want to go against you. That it would break our hearts knowing that we have sinned. And we run to the master and say, oh Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me of my sin. Conviction is far away because the face of Jesus is far away from us. But when we focus on him, things will happen. I want this to be a miracle working place here. I want people healed and people set free. We'll never have it if we don't have him. He's the head of the church. He's the head of the church and the head of your life. Develop a prayer life. Read and commit the reading of the scriptures. It's impossible for a believer to consistently, to be consistently when we're in the word of God without having our attention drawn again and again to Jesus. Even Jesus said in John 5, 39, he said, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. It points to him. Luke 24 and 44 says, he said, he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. This is after he was resurrected. He said, everything must be fulfilled that's written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. The scriptures focus on Messiah. Scriptures focus on a coming Savior. And now our words and our focus should be on the Savior of the world. Jesus Christ, our Lord and our God. Jesus spoke a parable in, in Luke 18 and 1. He said, he spoke a parable to them in verse 1 in chapter 18 of Luke that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. We need to pray. We need to seek God. We need to read the word of God and allow God's word to move and focus in our life. Because if we read the word, we will focus more on Jesus. I challenge you, when's the last time that you've read the four gospels in the Bible? We challenge our newborn Christians to do so. All right? You much more seasoned Christians, when is the last time we've read the first four books of the New Testament declaring the works of Christ and who he is? If you, As a matter of fact, I challenge you to do so and rediscover who Jesus is in your life. If you live after what is stated on the Sermon on the Mount, God will powerfully work and move in your life. And last thing is the most exciting thing is that 
we need to be faithful to the gathering of God's people. I'm glad that this is going to be seen and can be seen as being seen live and on video. Because I happen to believe in the house of God. I happen to believe in the house of the Lord. We live in a world that's so anti-God and anti-Jesus. That's why a lot of people are having to work on weekends. Because they could care less if you went to church. But to God's people, it matters to them. And so we make every effort to be in the house of the Lord. And to be in God's house. Isn't it funny how we're even scared to even call it the house of the Lord? Because all the crazy information talk out there about all these ideas and all this information. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there will I be. Jesus will be here. And we want to be here. I know the Lord works in all places, but he especially works in this place. Because there's a focus on him, on one person. What's most important is him. Is that we need to be faithful to the gathering of God's people. The Jews knew the importance of gathering on the Sabbath. Now this is not Sabbath, this is Sunday. Jewish Sabbath is on a Saturday. But hear what I have to say here. This is something that's been running throughout the history of the knowledge of God as long as God has had a people. This is a thought that's went through New Old Testament and New Testament. The Jews knew the importance of gathering on the Sabbath. That value of a rhythmic routine of making it to the synagogue and listening to the reading, teaching, and offering of prayers. The spirit-filled Christians of the Bible we find in the New Testament saw it necessary of that seven-day systematic gathering. The people are Christians. I know people are Christians in or outside of the church building. And then there is the 24-7 Christian. But however, I believe when we come to the house of God, it is one of the most focused moments with God that a group of people can have together. I'm not talking about your individualized prayer time at home. You can get along with God, but you also need to be with everybody else. Because what God's given you, he's wanting you to give it to somebody else. That's how God does. He does the sharing stuff, okay? The importance of going to God's house is not that you might receive something from God. The importance is that we might exhort to one another. Encourage one another as in Hebrews chapter 10, 25. But we come to the Lord's host house because the house of God is the most, the most focused moment with God. His name is being lifted up. He's being, he's being talked about. He's being praised. He's being glorified. And we come to him. We come to honor him. We're coming to sing to him. We're coming to hear from him. We're coming to talk about him. We're coming to dedicate or to recommit to him. We're coming to rejoin with his body, which is the body of Christ. In life, there are difficulties, and many times we have to make important decisions. We need to focus on the one who possesses all knowledge, all wisdom, all power. We need to come by and let's have a rally for Christ. Let's have a time of celebration for him. He who died on the cross and rose on the third day ascended up on high sitting on the throne making intercession for us and if he's doing that should we not give 
him some celebration. We better get together. We better get together for the tide and the wave of our culture and the way things are going. Laws will not change the hearts of people. We are in need of a revival and revival won't happen till God's people get together and they begin to seek God and pray God for a corporate revival to happen around us and with us. So I want to tell you, commit to reading of the word. Dedicate yourself to prayer and go to the house of God. Sounds pretty elementary, doesn't it? I've been preaching it for 37 years. Or more than that. 37 years pastoring. So simple, so easy. But why do we face such an attack with it? It's because it's a key to focus on Jesus. To focus on him. You remember when you did focus on Christ. Maybe those of you who feel like you drifted. There wasn't a better time in your life when that communion, that togetherness, that freedom, that peace, that joy. Well, I want you to know the Lord wants you to have that now. And God wants you to have it in 2020 and the years to come. We just need to get focused. What are we in this for? Why are we in this for? What are we in this for? What are we doing what we do or what we don't do? What is the motives? What are our directions? What is our emphasis in our life? It's got to be Jesus. It's got to be Him. Him alone. Now, there are things we can set and goals we can set as a church, but I'm telling you, if He is not at the head of it, forget it. I don't want it. But He's going to be the head of it. How many are ready to focus on Jesus this year? How many are ready to do this? You know, hey, hey, this is, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is the beginning. This is a new decade. This is a new year. And I'm, and I'm going to focus on Jesus, really, really focus on him. Now, only you know the level of focus that you have on Jesus. Remember, I just show you some glasses. I just let you read off. I don't do the correcting. I don't do the surgery. I don't do the diagnosis. Only you know and the Lord will tell you how much focus Jesus is in your life. Are you wanting to focus to get near him? Or are you decided that it's okay you don't have a focus? That you miss the important details? Because you don't want to read them. Let me tell you, getting close to the Lord is the answer. Jesus Christ is the answer. I want us to move up closer to him. Would you stand with me right now?